You are listening to LEC Online Church, a ministry of Lake Erie Church in Madison, Ohio. We are a multicultural, multi-generational Pentecostal church. For more information, please visit our website at lakeeriechurch.com. Now, we hope you enjoy today's message. We are working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians this summer. And today we're going to answer the question, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Why does God want you and I to be filled with the Holy Spirit? This passage in uh, the writing in in, uh, 1 Corinthians that was read is is an interesting passage because I think in order for you to understand what Paul was trying to convey... You need to know a little bit about where he came from. Now, some of you will know this. Others of you will not know this. But before he was Paul, he was Saul. The story of Paul is that he was a very devout believer of the Jewish faith. He had a fierce, tenacious commitment to the defense of the Jewish law. And so when Jesus came on the scene and these followers of Jesus began to be spread throughout Jerusalem and Judea, it it was Saul's, he saw it as his calling to put an end to it because he saw this as a threat to the Jewish law and the Jewish traditions of faith. And so he had letters of authority traveling to cities and he would arrest and imprison and torture and even kill people that were followers of Jesus. One day as he was traveling on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus, the Bible said that he was struck down by a bright light and a voice spoke to him and said to him, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting and I am appearing to you for this purpose. To instruct you that you are now going to be my witness to the Gentiles. Your mission in life is going to be to take the message of hope to the Gentiles. Now to this point only the Jews had had access to Jesus with a few very minor exceptions. So this is a significant shift in the gospel. And God called Saul who became Paul... And he traveled throughout the New Testament era, three different missionary trips, planting churches and preaching the gospel to Gentile communities. And and Corinth was one of those communities where he presented the gospel. But in his training, he was trained by the very best and brightest of Jewish scholars. Paul would have been trained to have looked at the world through two windows. And that's why this passage will be important if you get this. In Paul's mind, a person who believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God was a part of a present age. What it meant, excuse me, that's the coming age. Believing that the Lord Jesus Christ was the Son of God would put you into the category of believing in the coming age which was the age of the kingdom of God, when all of God's enemies would be destroyed at the return of Jesus Christ 
And God would be all in all according to 1 Corinthians 15, which we'll talk about later this summer. Those persons that did not believe that Jesus was the Christ, Paul called them immature. He said they don't yet understand. They are part of the present age that is characterized by sin and evil and controlled by the kingdom, the power, the spirits that are at work now in those who are disobedient. So when Paul is talking here in chapter 2 about those people that are immature, he tells the, the people at Corinth, he said, I can't speak to you in the way that I want because you're so immature. Now, he says to the believers at Corinth, he said, you have heard the gospel and you have believed it. And that maturity, he said, has to do with your faith and how you appropriate it and how you, you live that life, the gospel in the world that you are living. Because those who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you and I, he says we're citizens of an age that is to come. And our faith in Jesus Christ allows us the opportunity to communicate with God in a way that the world cannot communicate with Him. He's already talked earlier in chapter 1 and chapter 2 about how the preaching of the cross is foolishness to the world. And you and I know that to be true because people that you know who do not know Jesus, they look at our faith and they think we're crazy. They think we're out of our minds. We're always going to church. We're always talking about church. We're always talking about Jesus. And it's because we, we operate in the spirit in a different realm than those who do not know Jesus. Those who are non-believers. Jesus doesn't make sense to them. The way that we worship, the way that we commit ourselves to Christ is foolishness to them. And Paul says that. They're not able yet to see. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's my point. As we get started this morning, here's the point I want you to get. That in order for you and I to communicate with God, we must communicate on the same level in which God speaks. And we do that by the Holy Spirit that lives in us. I'll say that again. To communicate with God... We must communicate on the same level at which God speaks. And we do that by the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Now, there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. I was raised in Pentecostal churches all of my life, but I've met a lot of people over the years who have been confused about what the Holy Spirit is. And they misunderstand why the Holy Spirit is so important to the life of a believer. Now, you don't have to have the Holy Spirit to be saved. You get saved because you believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son and that He died on a cross for your sins and in the confession of your sins... God saves you. Now, the Bible tells me that when that happens, the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. So you'll hear some people say, I got the Holy Spirit when I got saved. Well, in essence, yes, you did. The Spirit of Christ dwells in you because you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But what I'm talking about is a, a different experience, a second experience, if you please, an additional experience in which God fills you with the Holy Spirit. Now think about this like a glass of water that is sitting there and you just keep pouring water into that glass until it begins to overflow and it just flows out. The glass cannot hold any more water because its capacity is completely exhausted and the water just spills out. That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit actually is. Yes, there is a Spirit of Christ that is in me, but there is also a filling of the Holy Spirit that is in me that is an overflowing and an overcoming kind of experience that God gives to those who ask Him for it. The Bible said, if we being evil, Jesus said this, He said, you being evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask Him? That's how you get the Holy Spirit. Now remember, I grew up in Pentecost. I've seen the crazy and the weird and the ugly and all that. And I, I've known people who thought that, to, you know, let me just tell you this. When, when I received the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was a younger boy in my dad's church, and I used to get so frustrated because there were people that were seeking the Holy Spirit like I was. It'd be an altar call. Those of you that want the Holy Spirit, come down to the altar. And I'd go down to the altar, and somebody over here would get filled with the Holy Spirit, and the church would just rejoice. So next week, I came over here. And then somebody next week would get the Holy Spirit in the choir, so I'd join with the choir and say, and sing in the choir because I thought it was where you were. See, some people got the Holy Spirit sitting over here. So next Sunday I sat over there. And it was ridiculous. I remember the, the man that prayed for me one night. He said, son, what is it that you want from God? I said, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, all right, just raise your hands. He said, this is not as hard as you're making it. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He will not withhold any good thing, the Bible said, from those who ask Him. And I just said, Lord, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God touched me that night in a powerful way. And I began to, be, I began to speak in another language as the Holy Spirit came into me that night because God filled me with His presence. God wants every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know why that is so difficult for some people. Probably because far too often we have overemphasized the expressions of the Holy Spirit to the very experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We get afraid of, of what it might feel like or what might happen to us. I remember when I was pastoring in High Point, North Carolina years ago, there was a guy in our church... God filled him with the Holy Spirit one night uh, in, the, in the altar. He was down on the floor and as he began to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he began to roll over on the floor kind of like a dog. And there was a woman in the church who said to me, she said, I'm telling you right now, you listen to what I'm telling you, if that's what it takes to get the Holy Spirit, I don't want it. I was only 23. I said, well, I don't think you have to worry. Because not everybody who gets the Holy Spirit does that, but everybody who gets it is willing to. 
You understand what I'm saying? If there's a hunger in your heart, it doesn't matter how God does it. It doesn't matter how it comes about. If there's a real hunger in your heart to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's what I'm praying for this morning, that somehow through the preaching of the Word of the Lord, there will be a hunger that will rise up in you, and you will begin to say, God, I love you with all of my heart, and I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, you don't have to wait for somebody to pray for you. You don't have to wait for somebody to lay hands on you God can fill you with the Holy Spirit right there in your seat because he wants you to have the Holy Spirit the way that the Holy Spirit manifests himself is not nearly as important as the fact that he fills us to overflowing with his spirit and his his power so let me answer the question this morning, why that experience would be necessary. Because in this passage that Noel read to us are the reasons why God wants you and I to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the first one. We need the Holy Spirit because we live in a corrupted world. We need the Holy Spirit because we live in a corrupted world. This world has been contaminated with sin and evil. And Jesus said about you and I, he said, we live in the world, but we're not of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. We live in the spaces of the world. We cohabitate in the spaces of the world, but we are not of this world. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us in this corrupted world. Now there's a passage I want to read you. It's, it's lengthy. It's in Romans chapter 1 beginning with verse 18. It should be on the screen. He said, this talks about the world where you and I live. He said, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They, talking about those who suppress the truth, they know the truth about God. Because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky, everything that God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yet they know God, but they don't worship God. They won't worship him as God or even give him thanks. They begin to think up foolish ideas of what God is like. As a result, their minds are dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead become utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious God, they worship idols made to look like people. Birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Skip down to verse 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things they should never, that should never be done. Their lives are full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossips, backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastfuls. 
boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. They disobey parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. They're heartless and they have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die and yet they do them anyway. And worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Now Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. And yet it so aptly describes the world that we live in in 2023. These believers in Corinth were living in a very corrupt world. We'll talk more about this in the weeks to come. But Corinth was a melting pot for every religion. There was all kind of sinful debauchery that was going on in their world. It was a vile place and these people were coming into the church from a very corrupt world. And Paul said you need the Holy Spirit to help you navigate this crazy world where you and I are living. You and I are not to live by the wisdom of this world. I was reading before I came down, just preparing for a future message. But what Paul keeps trying to help these people understand is that the wisdom of the world out there will not help you. It will not suffice. If you live by the concepts of this world, you're going to be in trouble. He said you need to live by the wisdom that comes from the word of the living God. The wisdom of this age will deceive you. What I'm saying in a very practical way, brothers and sisters, is this. That our guidance for living, our instruction manual for a happy life, the way to navigate this world is not on the editorial pages of the New York Times or on Fox News or any of the places in this world, but it's by what saith the word of the living God. And if we get away from God's word, we are surely going to be in trouble. By choosing Jesus Christ, we live by the Holy Spirit who teaches us and leads us, the Bible said, into the paths of righteousness. Jesus said in John 16, he said, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own, but will tell you what he has heard. Talking about the Holy Spirit. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. When you're spirit filled, you don't pursue the same things that you once did. You don't think the way that you once did. You are, according to the scriptures, a new creation in Jesus Christ. And that addition of Jesus into your heart is not just the accessory of your already good life, but it is in fact a new life, a radical choice. And you are no longer living by the flesh, you're living by the Spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. Second of all, we need the Holy Spirit because He is the source of knowledge. He is the source of knowledge. Go back to verse 10, He says, But it was to us, that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Then He says something very important. He says, no one can know a person's thought or thoughts except that person's spirit. No one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. We... We have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, 
so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. There's something special about knowing a secret, isn't there? You ever had somebody say, listen, I'm going to tell you something, but I don't want you to tell anybody else. It's very empowering to know a secret. And yet that's what Paul said. God has empowered you to know a secret that the people of this world cannot know, but you can know it because God's Spirit helps you to know it, know the secret things of God, he said. He said, as a believer, you are empowered to know God's secret. Now, several months ago when I was digging through this, I was reading this and I read it and I read it. And I kept asking myself, what is the secret? If God is allowing me to know the secret, what in fact is the secret? And you know, it's amazing sometimes when you read the Bible, if you just keep looking, you keep reading, it's, it's right in front of you. It's right there. You can see it yourself. Go back and read it with me. In verse 10, he said that us there, when he says God has revealed to us, that's you and me. Look at your neighbor and tell them, we're us. we're us. The secret that God is revealing to us is you and me. And then he says, he's talking about people, remember, that are mature because they have accepted the good news of Jesus Christ. In verse 8, just before this, Paul calls this the mystery of God. God previously, God's previously hidden plan to redeem the world. Now remember, let's just go just a second here. Hopefully I won't lose you on this track. But remember that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve made a fateful mistake. They brought sin into the world. And when they brought sin into the world, they changed the plan of fellowship that God had. Because God's plan was for you and I to be in fellowship with Him in a place where there was no sin. And that we would have communion with God on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And there would be no sin. But Adam and Eve's decision changed that. But God had a plan to redeem the world. And his plan was Jesus Christ. And he put Jesus on the cross to pay the price for all of our sin. So that we could then have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said this is the mystery that the world does not get. This is the mystery of God, this hidden agenda that God had to redeem the world by Jesus Christ. You may remember that a couple of years ago, Tracy Vest and I spent Wednesday nights teaching on the book of Revelation. And one, one week when I was preparing for my part of the contribution to that presentation, I read this verse and it just jumped off the page to me. It's found in Revelation 13 verse 8. The writer says, therefore all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Talking about the Antichrist. He's talking about people who do not serve God. He said, those that dwell on the earth worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb which was slain from the beginning of the world. Now let me explain that. John the Revelator said there is a book in which the names of those that believe in Jesus Christ are written. 
And they are saved because Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. What he's telling you is this. That God's plan was to put Jesus on the cross before Jesus ever came to the earth. Before he was ever born in a manger. Before he ever came to this earth as a human being. It was God's plan from the beginning of time. In that garden before man ever had a need. God had a plan. That's always been the way God has dealt with you. It's always been the way God has provided. Before you had a need God had a plan. And Paul said God's plan for making sure that there would be a place where you and I would be with him forever without sin had to have a Savior. And Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world so that you and I can go to heaven and be with God forever and ever without sin. And Paul says this mystery the world doesn't understand that. They, they don't understand that yet. It's like Nicodemus. You remember the story in John chapter 3? If you don't know the story, it's a beautiful story in John 3. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, Listen, I'm not sure who you are, but I know you must be somebody because nobody can do the things that you do unless God is with him. And Nic Nicodemus, Jesus says to Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, Except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What is he saying? He's saying this moment of being born again gives you the ability to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus couldn't see it. He couldn't understand it. How does a man get born again? And he doesn't understand that what Jesus is telling him is that being born again is the doorway to a new relationship with Jesus Christ and the opportunity to belong to him freely and of your own will. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. So what is Paul saying? He's saying that the Holy Spirit does this. It is the Holy Spirit that enables you and I to see the things that God wants us to see. That we are able to see freshly what God is trying to say to us because the Holy Spirit that dwells in us is helping us to communicate with God himself. And that is the third and final point. We need the Holy Spirit in order that we can communicate with God. That we'll be able to communicate with God. What does that mean to you and I? It simply means that the only way that you can talk to a person and really understand them is if you're talking on the same wavelength. Husbands, listen to me. Have you ever tried to talk with your wife and you realize she's here, you're here? And, and she will say, you're not listening to me. Uh, yes, ma'am, I am. I'm listening really hard. I'm not seeing it, though. See? Unless you get on the same level, you can't communicate. And what happens in the, in the life of a believer is the Holy Spirit puts us on the same level with God in order that we can communicate 
with him. You know, I come in here in the church sometimes and I like to sit here on the stage and just talk to God. There are times when I feel like my praying is more effective than others. And I would almost always tell you that the times that it is the more effective is when I'm able to get on the same level and communicate with God. Now Paul writes about this in the book of Romans. He says, there are times when we don't even know how to pray like we want to, like we should. And then what happens? He said, the Holy Spirit prays for us. In groanings and utterings, that uh, things that cannot be uttered, understood. God, the Holy Spirit is speaking to God on our behalf, communicating with Him for us so that we are able to communicate with God on that level. Now, as human beings, we have a limitation. We are limited. We're not always able to communicate with God the way that we want. But the Holy Spirit becomes that helper that comes alongside and helps us to communicate with the Lord. Now, don't misunderstand. That doesn't always mean speaking in tongues or some manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. It just means that the Holy Spirit helps us in our praying and our communication with God to ensure that we're able to be heard and understood in what we're saying. Now there are times, according to the Scripture, when we speak in a language that is not understood to our human ear. The Bible calls this an unknown tongue or a, 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 an expression of tongues. And that's where a lot of people get off the bus because they just don't understand it. There's no reason to be concerned. It simply means that the Holy Spirit inside of me is talking to God in a way that only the Holy Spirit can do. It's not me. I'm not doing it. It's the Holy Spirit that's doing it through me, communicating through me to the Father. Now, when, again, go back to the experience when I was trying to receive the Holy Spirit. I got so messed up because I was trying to seek for the experience of speaking in tongues. That's what I was out there because I thought that's what the Holy Spirit was, but it's not. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is not speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit living inside of me. The tongue part is just an expression. It's just the manifestation of the experience that lives inside of me. And yet there probably is not, well, I shouldn't say that. There, this is a topic that is so divisive with some people. And I just believe it is the enemy trying to keep you from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think the enemy just wants to keep you where you are because he knows that if you ever take that next step, if you ever step out of yourself and say, Holy Spirit, you take over. You become in charge. You take over my life. That you're going to step into a new relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in, in later weeks, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And there are many of them, several of them. 
that manifest themselves. And if you come to Lake Erie on a regular basis, you'll see many of these gifts manifested from time to time in the service. But here's the point. And if I don't get to say anything else in the rest of my life, I need you to hear me say this. The Holy Spirit is not about its manifestations. The Holy Spirit is not about its expressions. The Holy Spirit is God Himself dwelling inside of me and becoming in, in my life indwelling me so that I live and think the way that God wants me to live and think. And whatever those expressions are, they are. Whatever those expressions are. You know, I've been around Pentecost a long time. And I've seen about everything. And I'm telling you, these are manifestations, hopefully, of the Spirit. Sometimes I've wondered if it was of the Spirit. But those expressions are not the Holy Spirit. Even the expressions in me. You, you shouldn't look at me and go, well, that's the Holy Spirit. No, no, the Holy Spirit indwells me. What manifests itself is just what happens. It's not anything to seek after. Don't seek after the manifestations. In fact, if you're sitting here this morning and you say, I, I, I don't, I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I'm telling you to do. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit and that's it. And just let him fill you however he wants to fill you. You may never move a muscle. You may never do anything besides just begin to worship him. You know, anybody old enough to remember when we used to go to the altar and there'd be that brother down there that was pounding you in the back and he was hollering in your ear, Turn loose! Turn loose, brother! Turn loose! And on the other side was another brother hitting you in the shoulder going, Hang on, brother! Hang on! I didn't know whether to turn loose or hang on. You don't need somebody teaching you how to do it. You don't need somebody telling you what to do. God doesn't need you and I. He'll do it on his own. You are hungry when you are hungry for God's presence. When you... When you are hungry for the presence of God, you are hungry for the Holy Spirit, He will fill you. He will do it on His own. There won't be any doubt in your heart and mind that God has come into my very being and He has filled me to overflow. Amen. Ask God to fill you. Put out of your head every misconception that you've ever heard from anybody about their experience and simply allow God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Let's finish. Paul says in verse 13, we impart this. He's talking about his teaching. We impart this in words that are not taught by human wisdom, but words taught by the Holy Spirit interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. You see, there are people that sit among you week after week who walk in the Spirit and they see and understand things not because they're better people, not because they're smarter, not because they're anything more, 
It's just that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of them. And they have given the Holy Spirit their very life and being. And the Holy Spirit works through them. Sometimes you will see God use them in extraordinary ways to to help other people and to edify or encourage the body of Christ. It's because the Holy Spirit is at work through them to do that. Which leads me to say this to you with all conviction. That I am more convinced than ever that the Holy Spirit empowerment is the greatest need for our church. We got a lot of needs in our church, but there isn't anything that we need more than for this body, you, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Give God a church of people that are completely filled with the Spirit. And you watch us take a city for Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit inside of us helps us to communicate Jesus to a lost world. You say, I'm having trouble talking to people about Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. He will talk about Jesus in a way that helps you to talk about Jesus. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And it's going to cause you to be my witness. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. I told you a few weeks ago, if that... If that had been written in Lake County, if Jesus had been over on Middle Ridge Road when he said that, he would have said it this way. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Painesville and Ashtabula and Lake County and Ohio and all over the world. Because that's where you live. That's where you are. And the Holy Spirit inside of you, the Holy Spirit that is a part of you, that Holy Spirit makes you to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Now we invite you to visit one of our services soon. For more information, please visit us at lakeeriechurch.com.